throughout Saskatchewan, across the country, and around the world. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, how are we all doing? There's survivalist landsmen. And Shannon, and Sharon, and Karen, and Darren, and Marnie, and Daphne, and Aaron, and Denise. Deborah, St. John, New Brunswick, welcome. It's a long ways away. Uh, yeah, so we got a few things to talk about before Celine gets here. <laughs> uh, they are exactly who we said they are. I'm amazed that how many people are surprised and shocked by Pierre Polivare denouncing Christine Anderson, who stood up in the European Union. They call it a parliament, but I don't see it as that. Um, but she stood there and she denounced the tyranny of Justin Trudeau. We all remember that. Uh, and then she came to Canada to tour and to meet freedom fighters and patriots associated with the convoy. A convoy that inspired the world. Inspired the likes of Christine Anderson. And how is she received by the establishment? <laughs> As expected. And I actually called this one a couple of days ago. Pierre Polivare didn't go out of his way. <coughs> Excuse me. Didn't go out of his way to meet her. In fact, he didn't make any plans at all to go and ensure that he met with a foreign politician visiting Canada. Um, he actually, in fact, told her to go home, that she wasn't welcome here, based on something we've never heard her say. Um, of course, um, the news was broke from Brian Lilly. And I'm just going to pull that up. Give me a second here. Sorry, I should have been more prepared. My bad. 
okay, there he is. I'll just bring that over here. And then we'll do this. And we'll scroll down. So Lily broke the story. Uh, here. Christine Anderson's views are vile. <laughs> and have no place in, polit in our politics. The MPs were not aware of this visiting member of the European Parliament's opinions and they regret meeting with her. I, I haven't heard them say that. Frankly, it would be better if Anderson never visited Canada in the first place. She and her racist, hateful views are not welcome here. That sounds a lot like Trudeau. And this is Brian Lilly reporting. Statement from Conservative leader Pierre Polivare on the three Conservative MPs who met European MEP Christine Anderson earlier this week. Um, and here's Lily basically backing up the release of that statement. I wonder how all the idiots who thought this was fake statement from Pierre Polivare are reacting to him showing up at a rally for Ukraine and sharing the stage with Trudeau and Ford and saying Canada stands with the Ukraine. Uh, <laughs> so all on the same day, uh, Pierre Polivare shit talks Christine Anderson, who I met, I find her amazing, genuine, real, a straight shooter, um, caring. Um, she even broke down a number of times uh, at the event that I was at because of the amount of love that she has been showing in this country. Of course, all of the claims against her uh, are unfounded. Um, it's very similar. See, see what happened is it started with Warren Kinsella, of course. Um, he's apparently running the Conservative Party these days. He denounced um, that these three Conservative MPs met with Christine Anderson. And then, of course, because he tweeted that, Pierre Polivare had to come in and, and make a statement through, <coughs> excuse me, through Brian Lilly. Uh, because, you know, it's Warren Kinsella. Warren Kinsella is the same one that that brought together Operation Cactus that um, attempted to destroy the PPC's reputation by labeling us racist and, and xenophobic and, and all these other things. The same thing that they're trying to label Christine Anderson and her, her AFD party in Germany. Of course, the leftists, the hardcore leftists, are calling her a Nazi and whatever else. Um, as they do. As they do. When, when you're part of a party that is against the establishment globalists, this is what they do. They denounce people that are with alternative parties. Because God forbid that the people ever wake up enough to get rid of the establishment parties to actually allow an alternative like the PPC to save the country from the globalist agenda. God forbid that ever happens. 
So they'll do whatever it is they have to do to destroy entities such as the PPC or Maxine Bernier or Christine Anderson. And along with that, Christine Anderson um, was supporting and defending our freedoms in the EU by denouncing Trudeau and his tyrannical policies and mandates and restrictions that he was imposing on the people here. She denounced that to the world in, a, in, in the EU quote-unquote parliament. That's what she did. <laughs> it's, it's just... So now... Pierre Polivare has positioned himself right next to Trudeau. That's where he is. It's what he is. And I, I, I want to... Um, give me a sec here. I'm just going to send Salim the link to the show, to the studio... I'll do that right now. And so when I say that they are exactly who we said they are, um, no, Pierre hasn't denounced the UN. He, he denies it even exists. Agenda 2030. Hasn't read it. Hasn't read it. Doesn't know anything about it. <laughs> but but they are exactly who we say they are. Listen, what we witnessed today this this gong show of a of an opposition party that is nowhere near an opposition party. Um they are what they are. Listen, this party came to be when reform broke all our hearts whoever was a reform member, as I was, and merged with who? The Red Tories. The very Red Tories. And they did that so they could get elected. They sold out their principles, they sold out the values that the reform stood for, and represented people like me, they sold that out. So they could get power. And they merged with red Tories. The reason Brian Mulroney's party was decimated was because of that red scourge in the party. That's why they were decimated. And and the Reform Party, when they merged with the Conservative Party, gave life back to that party. And that's why they exist today. That's why they're around today. The Reform Party was a life support system for the CPC. And that's who they are. To this very day, that's still who they are. That's why Pierre Polivare does exactly what Trudeau does. 
that party has no core identity. That party can't have an identity because they don't have the conviction, they don't have the integrity, and they don't have the morality to stand on principles and on values that claim to represent a lot of you folks' values. But they're not willing to stand on that foundational values. They're not willing to defend those principles. Because when they do, there's political cost associated. And they're not willing to do that for anyone. Because they only care about getting elected and continuing on achieving the goals of the Sustainable Development Agenda, an agenda created by an unelected, unaccountable foreign entity. That's who they are. And they just proved it today by denouncing Christine Anderson, somebody who stood up for the convoy, somebody who was broken into tears because of the love that she's received by those same people in Calgary, in Whitby, in Toronto, in Montreal. Enormous amount of love was given to Christine Anderson because of her standing up on our behalf at the European Union, denouncing Trudeau and his tyranny. But because Warren Kinsella writes a tweet concerned that these three Conservative MPs met with Christine Anderson, Pierre Polivare has to issue a press release through Brian Lilly denouncing, not only denouncing, but just, just how, I mean, it sounds like it could have been written by Trudeau. Christine Anderson's views, where have we heard that before? Right? Unacceptable views by a fringe minority? Where have we heard that before? Views are vile and have no place in our politics. Well, what views? Be specific. Because everything I've heard her say is bang on. She's 100% right. The MPs were not aware of this visiting member of the European Union Parliament's opinions and they regret meeting with her. I haven't, I haven't heard any of them say that. I have saw one statement issued, but I don't know who it was from. Frankly, it would be better if Anderson never visited Canada. Well, that sounds a little xenophobic, doesn't it? <laughs> Just to throw back at them what they like to throw at us. She and her racist, hateful views are not welcome here. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And that's only because, of course, Warren Kinsella, who runs the Conservative Party, said that it was bad that these MPs met with her. And, of course, some other special interest groups, like the ADL and others, um, you know, they don't like what she has to say. That's what happens when people tell the truth. You tend to piss in some people's cornflakes. That's what happens when you tell the truth. 
And Christine Anderson likes to tell the truth. So it is what it is. And most politicians, most establishment parties don't like the truth because the truth is what will destroy them. And that's what we're seeing. <clears throat> so it's Friday night and my good friend Salim Mansour is backstage. Let me just throw on my headphones here and we'll make sure there's no echo. And uh, we'll bring Salim on and Salim can uh, impart some of his wisdom in regards to this issue today as well. Hello, my friend. Hello, Mark. Uh, good evening and good evening to all our friends across from wherever they are tuning in to listen yeah. to Grizzly Patriot. <laughs> it's a pleasure <laughs> to join you, Mark. Yeah, good to have you. So what do you think about today's events, Salim? Have you had a chance to digest and absorb some of what's floating around out there? I don't know whether I have fully digested it, but I've been trying to catch up with uh, the noise, so to speak, what is happening. Mm -hmm. And um, my friend Robert Vaughn, uh, who you definitely know uh, yeah. from uh, Just Right Media, uh, he sent me the link, which I was not aware of, uh, of uh, Maxime and um, Christine Anderson together. Um, and the video is out. I just uh, before coming on uh, to your backstage, I was watching that link and it is so much, so much different than the story that is being circulating uh, as a result of uh, uh, who is this guy? Brian Lilly. Yeah, Brian mm -hmm. Lilly's uh, tweet uh, about uh, how Pierre Paulier has come out dismissing Christine Anderson and basically vilifying her. So, yeah, it, it is, again, the predictable behavior of people uh, and a party with which I'm so inti intimately familiar because I'm an Islamophobe, so they can call Christine Anderson anything they want. Right, right, exactly. I just want to I want to show you an interview that True North did with uh, Christine, um, and it'll add some more context to this discussion a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, uh, so, Conservative leader Kim Pundiaf said that your views are vile and have no place in our politics, uh, and said that the MPs that you met were not aware of your views, and finished a statement by saying, frankly, it would be better if Anderson never visited Canada in the first place. She and her racist, view, racist hateful views are not welcome here. Uh, what is your response to Mr. Polyev's statement? Well, I feel very sorry that Mr. Polivier feels this way. Uh, all I can say, I had a lovely, uh, lovely time uh, meeting with uh, the members of his party. And um, at no point uh, do I see where I expressed hateful and racist views, as he puts it. Um, so, like I said, uh, I feel very sorry that he feels that way. Um, but no one gets to define me and not even Mr. Polivier. You do not get to, to uh, define me. I know what I stand for. I know what I fight for. And uh, I know that I will never cater to any dem uh, uh, democratic leader or any uh, uh, elected government that does not act in the best interest of the people. 
Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I, I love how she says, uh, you, Mr. Polavere, cannot define me. Uh, and that's somebody who's comfortable in her own skin. She's comfortable with what she what she portrays and what she puts out there. And that's that's a leader. That's what a leader does. And Pierre Polyev or Justin Trudeau or Elizabeth May or Jagmeet Singh as the leaders of the various political parties in the parliament, uh, they, they again cannot define all of us as or all of us as Canadians who we are. You know, we Canadians are far broader, uh, far more spread out, far more open, uh, and far more critical minded in ourselves to know who we are, that we can be defined and reduced to a definition by Pierre Poliev or any one of them in the parliament. Right. 100%. But well, well, what's, what's your sense, Salim, and what I said, I saw that you were in the studio listening, uh, in terms of who the, this party is. I mean, we know who this party is. They've been around for for a long time, and and uh, you know I was a, of a reform a reform member at the time, <coughs> and 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 they broke my heart when they merged with the Red Tories. But that's who they've always been since they've really merged since that merge happened. Uh, absolutely. Um, may I, um, Mark, take a couple of seconds? I'm seeing a a, a note coming through from this lady. Lori Taylor Walters uh, asking if uh, we could meet or speak in Niagara and quickly to Lori. Yes, for sure, Lori. Let the let the springtime come and the sp uh, and and the summer come and 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 we can get together in Niagara. No, she she says she wants to speak on what's going on in Nigeria. <laughs> oh, oh, Nigeria. My, I'm not wearing my glasses, uh, yeah, reading glasses. Okay, enough. okay, okay. All right. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And again, um, we we all have our experiences, and my experiences is part of the history of uh, the Conservative Party uh, that uh, was, as you said very correctly, was decimated uh, by uh, Mr. Jean Chrétien in the 1993 election. I mean, a party that had two massive majorities in the parliament in 1984 and in the 1988 election hmm. that the country gave Brian Mulroney. Well, what did Brian Mulroney ultimately do with those two massive majorities? He left um, in 1993, reducing that majority party to two seats, only two seats. Two seats. Yes. You know, um, Jean Charest in Quebec and Elsie um, Wayne in, I think it was New Brunswick or Nova Scotia. That's it, two seats, mm -hmm. you know. And then, of course, people had to pick up uh, and build from the ashes of what was the legacy of Brian Mulroney, you know. Um, and that began in the West, in mm -hmm the making of the Reform Party in the election right. of that single member uh, from the Reform Party, uh, Debbie Gray, I think it was in the 1990, in 1988 election, 
she was a single member elected and she remained alone through the 1992 1993 election till uh, in the 1993 election uh, reform party elected i think it was 52 seats from western canada i think there was only one uh, seat maybe from Ontario, but I, my, my memory is now, I, I cannot fully recall. Maybe that came later on. Mm. So in the 1993 election, it was Reform Party from Alberta and Saskatchewan and a few seats in um, um, BC, yeah. like people like Chuck Strahl um, yeah. came. But Bloc Quebecois, which is again a legacy of Brian Mulroney, Lucien Bouchard, became ironically Her Majesty's opposition, a, a separatist party winning uh, two seats more than um, the reform. If reform had only won three more seats, um, if the people in Vancouver had given that three seats to reform, reform would have been the opposition going on the way to maybe forming a government with uh, right. Preston Manning in the 1997 election but it didn't happen. So that's the legacy we are talking about. And again, the reform made <clears throat> under the leadership of Preston Manning, uh, a number of um, significant um, misstep, if not deliberate error on the part of the leadership. Uh, again, the fault is the disease that is flowing through the Conservative Party. That means a party that claims to be grassroots was stifling the voice of the grassroots. Right. And and that's what happened under Mr. Manning's leadership uh, when his leadership was challenged because I think the uh, Christian Conservatives uh, were not fully on board because Mr. Manning and others in the leadership position were not open to really taking the position on the life issue, the central yeah. fundamental yeah. issue that the country did not have any law after uh, the Supreme Court throughout uh, through the um, indictment, the cases against Morgan Toller. Remember, Morgan Toller was yeah. uh, put in prison. Morgan Toller was brought to trial uh, on a number of times. I don't know how many times he was brought to trial because each time he was brought to trial in Quebec, that was the jurisdiction, the jury uh, refused to, uh, 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 you know, indict him or find him guilty. They, in fact, threw the case out. So the appeal went ultimately, I believe, to the Supreme Court, and and the Supreme Court dismissed it. And so we were a country, and we still are a country, mind you, uh, Mark. That is now 1988, and now where we are, we are in 2023, going on to more than almost 40 years. We are the only G7 country that has no law in protecting the most fragile life in the safest and most secure place in the world, that is in the mother's womb. Right. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and the irony that it just, that should have been the pillar upon which to build the conservative strength, 
by Mr. Manning. And he was challenged and he lost the leadership uh, to Stockwell Day. And right. though Stockwell Day carried that vote, Stockwell Day did not have the statesmanship or the leadership in a country as big as Canada right. to to be able to pull together. Manning well, so, had that capability, but Stockwell Day did not. And didn't they then create the alliance at, at that time? Didn't they? It, yes, they, was this Mr. After Manning the lost the, exactly. Mr. Manning lost the leadership. Stockwell mm. Day became the leader. That was when Stockwell Day became the leader. Mr. Manning had already proposed the name change, Canadian Reform Alliance Party. I don't know where these geniuses come from. The, the, <laughs> this, the, 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 the acronym mm. Canadian Reform Alliance Party, CRAP, becomes crap. Right. And that's exactly what Jean Chrétien did. He mm. called the election right. in 2000 after having had the, the election in 1997. In 1993, Jean Chrétien, the Liberals won the majority. Then in 1997, four years later, the election took place, which was at the right time, four years, four or five years. And he won a second majority. And then in 2000, when Mr. Manning's leadership was being battled out and uh, um, Jean Chrétien waited for that, um, I hope, Mark, I'm recalling these things and, and, and people can pick up some very significant facts out of this mm. of how the geniuses in our party played right into the hands of Mr. Chrétien and the liberals yes. Yes. Uh, in, in, in central Canada, yes, in, in Quebec and in Ontario. Uh, Mr. Manning changed the name of the party to Canadian Reform Alliance Party. Then there was the leadership and Stockwell Wade won the leadership and Mr. Manning was out. Uh, and so the party was now called crap. And, <laughs> uh, and, and there, was, there was a party conference, a gathering uh, following the leadership um, in Toronto because the party came to Toronto to attract the attention of Central Canadian and Canada and Toronto, the business center, the financial center and the communication center mm. for at least for English Canada. And I recall that when craps uh, convention took place in Toronto, the date is now fuzzy in my head, but Mr. Kretia took the opportunity of announcing the first governor general who was uh, non-Caucasian, mm. Adrian Clarkson, you know, she of Chinese origin. Uh, she was born in Hong Kong. Uh, and of course, uh, the family had migrated. Uh, and Adrian Clarkson was uh, a CBC uh, talking head, um, married to, at that time, uh, or no, she had been married to Stephen Clarkson, who was um, a professor uh, uh, in the department where I was a student, political economy, mm. at the University of Toronto in the 1970s and 80s. Um, and the biographer of uh, Pierre Trudeau. Um, and 
Adrian was married to her, but then that marriage broke down and she then married John, uh, John Ralston Saul, another political philosopher mm. from central Canada. And Mr. Chrétien appointed, nominated and appointed uh, Adrian Klossack as the governor general. And, and the point that I'm coming to is with, with that action, Mr. Manning and Mr. Stockwell, they had come to Toronto to demonstrate their openness and their understanding of Canada's multicultural reality. That was the legacy mm. of Pierre Trudeau. Mm. And with one stroke, they thought that they're going to get the attention of the Toronto media, the Globe and Mail, the CBC and, and everything else, and they would be able to present themselves. But with one stroke, Mr. Chrétien just took the carpet away from underneath their feet by announcing Adrian Clarkson as the governor general and the entire media focused on Adrian Clarkson and nobody focused on, on, on Mr. Manning. Yeah, it was all over. <laughs> and, and it was a celebration, a deliberate planned action by Mr. Sure. Chrétien, a celebration. And by the way, Warren Kinsella was in the team of Mr. Uh, Mr. Chrétien. You know, his mm -hmm. his connection to Mr. Chrétien goes back to the 1990s. He was right. uh, one of the uh, uh, counselors of Mr. Chrétien from Toronto, uh, mm -hmm. from the legal community in Toronto. So yeah, here you had... Mr. Kretian appointing the first governor general of a Chinese origin. And what more could be, from a media point of view, the story? Canada is a multicultural country. And here you have the governor general, the representative of the queen, mm. and therefore technically the head of Canada uh, representing the queen. Uh, is a Chinese woman. You know, there's no problem with that. But, but it is the timing and the politics of it. And they never recovered from that. So then Pierre Trudeau died in 2000. And Mr. Chrétien took the advantage of the emotions surrounding Pierre Trudeau in Quebec, in central Canada. I don't know about Western Canada, but certainly in central Canada, in Ontario. And he called the election within three years of the last election, the previous election, which was in 1997. And again, he in 2001, a majority. Right. But, but, but uh, um, the Canadian Alliance Reform Party became the official opposition. Mm. Yes. And, and as a result of that election, the failure of making any gains, mm. um, there was again a call for a leadership change. And it is in that context that Stephen Harper, who had left the parliament uh, after the 1997 election with his, I believe, disagreement with uh, Preston Manning uh, and had gone to become I, the CEO, executive director of the National Citizenship Coalition. Uh, he came back to run for the leadership and he won the leadership. And then uh, he moved in the direction. The argument was that uh, the existing party, uh, uh, Canadian Reform Alliance Party, uh, is basically presented 
in the media as a Western party uh, with no roots in central Canada. Uh, and in that sense, they cannot win the government. They cannot come out strong. Well, and, and ever since that merger, ever since they, they merged with the Red Tories, they've had this identity crisis. And they've not been able to establish who they are. They don't have guiding principles that they stick to or defend. They don't have values that they fall back on. They're sort of rudderless. They, they, they just don't seem to have that identity that's necessary if you're going to be a successful political entity in this country. Absolutely, Mark. You're you're right. But this is what it did. I mean, Stephen Harper was coming from the West, you know. I mean, that's it. I mean, he had moved from Central Canada to go to the West. He did his education in the West. He went mm. to University of Calgary mm. and he became a Westerner. Uh, he became an Albertan. And then he comes back and he moves with the argument that the the conservative or the right is split between the progressive conservatives and the Canadian reformers. Right. And and the two have to come together. Mm. And and I believe that they were confident that uh, because the progressive conservative had been reduced to two seats and was basically drowning, that they would be able to hold on and they would be able to absorb the progressive conservative, the red Tories mm -hmm. into the alliance movement, the reform movement. Mm -hmm. And and so this this effort was put together of uniting the right. That was the thing. Right. I went I went to the convention in Montreal in 2003 mm -hmm. um, and I was there, you know, right. uh, I was asked to vote for Peter McKay and I voted for Peter McKay uh, prior to going to um, the uh, the convention in Montreal. And the strategy was that uh, Peter McKay would be the one who would be uh, willing to create the merger or make the merger. Uh, and Peter McKay won the progressive conservative leadership. And immediately then they moved towards the merger. And the merger took place in 2003. Uh, ahead of the 2004 election. In the meantime, the Liberals had a leadership change. Jean Chrétien stepped down. Uh, there was a scandal, a huge scandal, you know, um, in in Quebec. People have forgotten that. It, there was a Schwanigan scandal, money, right. and so on. Mm. And uh, it is in the midst of that scandal that Paul Martin Jr. Uh, made his bid for the leadership and he won the leadership and called the election in 2004. And because of the scandal, uh, Paul Martin was not able to win right. his uh, majority. Mm. And it was a minority government in 2004 under yep. Paul Martin. And so he was pushed to call another election in 2006. And that's the election that uh, the Conservative Party, the Unite the Right, right. Movement had brought together, won that election in, in 2006. Didn't win a majority, it was a minority, minority. government. Right. And then again in 2008, it won the minority. It, it couldn't win a majority. So Stephen Harper had two attempts, mm -hmm. and in both attempts, he got a minority. And then in 2011 election, 
Stephen Harper um, bumped into a situation uh, as a result of what happened in 2008. If people have forgotten that, so let me quickly remind them what happened in 2008. Uh, there was a minority government elected in 2008. I mean, mm. Stephen Harper was in a minority position. And immediately then, um, the leaders of the three other parties, Jack Layton was alive. He was now the leader of the uh, NDP. And uh, Stephen Dion was the liberal uh, leader of the Liberal Party. Uh, and um, uh, what's the, his name? Gilles Dusef was the leader of Blanc. Mm bloc uh, Quebecois and the three of them came together to make an agreement and decide that they would form a coalition government. Gilles Duceppe technically did not sign it because he is a separatist party, separatist leader. So it was an agreement between the three of them, but it was, uh, I believe, Stephen Dion and um, Jack Layton. Jack Layton was, by the way, the uh, opposition leader. I mean, Jack Layton had defeated uh, the liberals in uh, Quebec. I mean, that was an amazing result that the liberals could not hold down. And Stephen Dion was reduced to becoming the third party, uh, the liberals. Um, And Mr. Harper then went to the... um, Governor General, who was now another CBC appointee by uh, Paul Martin after the term of Adrian Clarkson was over, Jean-Michel or Machal, I I, I don't know what's the correct pronunciation. She was a Montrealer, a a French uh, Quebec uh, uh, resident from Haiti. She had an immigrating from Haiti, yeah. yeah. So there you have it. Another, you know, symbol of multicultural Canada by Mm. Paul Martin and Stephen Harper had to go to her to ask for uh, getting the parliament prorogued and the argument was that if uh, the parliament is not prorogued then uh, they they will have a no confidence vote and uh, it would be a government in which um, the driving force would be Bloc Québécois, a separatist party. And and the governor general allowed the parliament to be prorogued. And then a new parliament came in. And then the election was called with that background in 2011, in which Stephen Harper won a majority. And then we know the result. That majority, uh, he lost in 2015. And his legacy is, of course, what we are all faced with right now, dealing with the globalist agenda, which he handed over to um, Justin Trudeau. 100%, exactly. And that's why they continue to struggle to have success, I think, because, again, they have no principles, they have no integrity. As Max Bernier suggests, they're morally and intellectually corrupt, and I believe that to be a fact. And, And that's why. And, and, you know, they, people continue to blame the PPC for standing in the way of, of the Conservative Party being successful. But when the party continues down the same path um, as Scheer, as O'Toole, and now as Pierre Bolivar, um, of course they're not going to have success. They keep alienating uh, people that support their party. 
And, and, and how are you going to have success in that? You, you don't stand to principles. You don't stand to your values. Um, you're, you're basically at the, at the mercy of the wind. Yeah, and, and looking forward, looking from the position, having looked back at least to the period that we started with your conversation yep. that goes back to the legacy of Brian Mulroney, that's 1992-1993 election. We're talking about 30 years now, you know, we can stretch it further back all the way. Um, but that's another day, another evening we, we can spend. But this 30 years confirms um, one singular reality in my view, and that is uh, the Canadian people are not a sovereign people. Hmm. And therefore, whatever they stand for, whatever they want, whatever they wish for in terms of their identity, as you say, in terms of their values, in terms of defending their rights, in terms of, you know, the national interest, the security interest of a country. The, the, the ruling class, the ruling elite, that is the political parties in Ottawa, mm. uh, are totally dismissive of what the Canadian people think, you know. And that was now yes. proven in the last four years of this mm. COVID regime. Yes. And the decision that came down last week um, with the uh, Public Order Emergency Commission of, of Justice Paul Rouleau uh, exonerating uh, the Emergencies Act. That is a complete dismissal or whatever it may be. And how ethical and moral and correct the position may be in a philosophical sense, but in the legal sense of the Canadian Constitution, the people of Canada do not matter because the people of Canada are not sovereign. Right. We are children to be treated as children by the adults who run the country. And who are the adults? Justin Trudeau, Stephen Harper, Pierre Polyev. But they are the faces of the adults because they are the puppets mm. of what we now completely, clearly know and understand if by, by those people, by those Canadians who are fully awakened, that they're the puppets of the globalist oligarchs. They do not represent anybody except for those who are the genuine master. Within Canada, the Laurentian elite, and outside of Canada, Canada the oligarchs, uh, of which right. the Florentian elites are a partner and tied up to, junior partner and tied up with. 100%. And so let's tie that in then to the, the greater discussion that we're going to have tonight of, of our constitution and our charter <clears throat> and how that works into this conversation. Because without, without a proper constitution the people, we the people, will never have our sovereignty, right? Yes, yes. And it is, it is uh, as, as we discussed last, last uh, week, I think it was last week, and I can come back and repeat it, you know, if we can yes. get a movement in Canada going, and given what happened last year with the Freedom Convoy, that the spirit of freedom, freedom convoy 2022 
uh, is not dead, is alive. And if we can reawaken that spirit mm. and mobilize Canadian on a, an agenda uh, put together uh, as the second act of the Freedom Convoy movement. I'm just using those terms, you know, but no. those terms can be reworded and reworked as we come together as a people on some platform. But this, the second act of the Freedom Convoy would be to rouse the people up uh, and, 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 and awaken them and, and hopefully they vote for freedom representative. That is the people who are going to represent them on the basis of restoring their freedom, mm -hmm. uh, making them sovereign, that they, are, they have not been sovereign. And we have to talk about that a little bit in de defining it. Mm -hmm. We can then push forward to amending the existing constitution, that is, uh, the Constitution of 1982 uh, with the Char Charter of Rights and Freedom uh, with putting in those seven words in the preamble uh, right. that, that the opening, opening phrase of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedom, whereas Canada is founded upon principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law derived from the will of the people. And if we can, you know, amend it, put those words together, and in the next act, work towards uh, repealing, revoking sections 1 and section 33, we will have, in that sense, fundamentally reworked the existing uh, Constitution of Canada, that is, Constitution Act of 1867 and the Constitution Act of 1982 to make the people of Canada sovereign and not the keep the Parliament of Canada and its institutions sovereign over the head of the people. In other words, the Parliament and all the institution of Canada works on the will of the people, not the other way around. Right. And, and, and if we can do that, we will then have uh, restore the sovereignty of the people and open fundamentally a new chapter in the history of Canada. Well, that would be that would be essentially creating a republic, would it not? Well, that would be the next act. I mean, that would be it. it would not this, this uh, proposal that I have made with you mm -hmm. uh, made and uh, on the put on the table. I have to write about it, you know, and I have been I yeah. haven't been put together. I haven't have been. A, had the opportunity to do that over the last week, but I'm going to do that next week. We are going to be in uh, Calgary together. You see, so <laughs> right. there's right. a lot of crowded events in uh, that that I'm working through. But but this has to be written, and I will write it up, and it can be circulated, and other people can add to it, and we have to create. That's the freedom. Call. The one woman, Tamara Leash, got 1,500 trucks into Ottawa, so we can do that. You know, we can yes. bring people together, yes. uh, um, and of course, you know. People will bring their other ideas together and, you know, massage it and so on and so forth. Mm. But it is to put the people into the Constitution. And the people in the Constitution then can call for a referendum. Mm. Whether we continue to be a constitutional monarchy or we become a republic. A republic. Right. You see? 
at the moment we are a constitutional monarchy, you know. Yes. And uh, I think we can win that argument also. I'm sure the people <laughs> in Quebec will join the rest of Canada in asking for, in a referendum, to make Canada a republic. Yes. And I think uh, we and can I've win seen, that I've argument. Seen, I've seen documentation that came out of Quebec, <clears throat> historical documentation, that shows that Quebec historically and even presently have an appetite to not be under the crown. Yes, I mean, that was the famous um, uh, rebellion of 1838, Papineau. Right. The irony is that Justin Trudeau is sitting in, he's, he's the member from Papineau, but he stands for everything opposite to Papineau. Right. But that's, that's again, the problem of our education system and where we are as a, as a people in Canada. You see, it is necessary for the people to be dumbed down to become sheep yes. instead of becoming free people. And that's what has happened over the last 50, 60 years. We have been dumbed down. The people have been dumbed down to the extent that they can accept <clears throat> that carbon dioxide is a poison mm. and a man can be a woman and yes. menstruate and so on and so forth. This is the dumbing down. This is the result we have arrived. And we have to reverse that. It's a it's a huge challenge. But coming back to the Constitution, yep. I, I I see that can become, if we seriously come together and make this, for instance, if you make this in your own uh, province through Buffalo Party, mm. adopt this uh, motion that yes. the Buffalo Party will support an amendment for putting in those words in the Constitution. Then the Buffalo Party, the Independence Party of Alberta, the PPC, and so on, can become the instrument by which people come together for this national effort uh, to do that. Let me add, let me explain this, why it is, the, we, we have this problem. Uh, as simply as I can, without getting into too much technicalities and, and yep. too much of history. See, we, what we have as a result of 1982, that patriation, what we have is a hybrid constitution. Mm. We have the 1867 Act, which is our constitution. Yeah. And we have now the 1982 Act, which is now part of the constitution. Mm. And so it's a hybrid constitution because the 1867 Act is based upon the British, British constitutional yeah. Tradition. Mm. And the British constitutional tradition going back into ancient time and, and coming through into modern history, that is the period after uh, Elizabeth I, which led to um, a great deal of violence in British history, which is called the revolution, the civil war and the glorious revolution. Mm. Uh, that's period then ended up with the firm establishment in the British constitutional history uh, of the supremacy of the parliament. The parliament is supreme. The crown is part of the parliament. It is not independent of the parliament. The fight was whether the, the crown is independent and has superior authority. That is the divine right of king. Well, that issue was settled in the British history with uh, the Civil War and, and the Revolution in which Charles I lost his head. Mm. 
But that constitutional and political arrangement came in the baggage that the immigrants from England, from the British Isles, brought to North America, mm. the British North America, which was the 13 colonies that eventually became America and the colonies uh, Upper Canada, Lower Canada and the Maritimes. Right. So that history came, but that is history which is not indigenous to the values that emerge in the British North America, because here we, the immigrant population, the Pilgrim Fathers and others mm -hmm. confronted and built a new society in relationship that right. was partly of conflict and partly of collaboration mm -hmm. with the native population, the First Nation, mm -hmm. the native Indians. Okay. So, and nevertheless, we establish the manner in which the governments were formed in North America based upon the British system. And it was that system against which the 13 colonies rose up in 1774. Right. And they asked all of us, that is the people in, 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 in the North, along the St. Lawrence and in, in, in the Maritime to join them. Mm -hmm. Because that rebellion, which became a revolutionary war, mm -hmm. ended up in the making of a new political system. Right. And that political system is represented by what became the United States of America. Because yeah. the United States of America and the political system that it established cut root and branch away from the British political system. In a technical term sense, the American Constitution, the Declaration of Independence and the American Constitution is based upon the tradition of what is called the natural law tradition. Mm. And the British system, going back again to before uh, Elizabeth I, the history before that, is based upon what is called legal positivism, who controls the power mm. and what is the power. In the natural law tradition, power and ultimate power comes from the people. Right. The words that are used in the Declaration of Independence, the opening word is that, you know, God has endowed us with these unalienable rights, the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. In other words, the unalienable rights or the inalienable rights precedes, precedes a society that has been established. Uh, and, and it is not something that those who have established the society can hand out to the people because it precedes. It comes from prior situation and that prior situation ultimately is nature or God. We are born free. Mm. We are born with the freedom of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness in the Lockean sense, life, liberty and property. So we cannot be alienated from our property. So that's a natural law tradition. And in the British tradition, there is no reference to these fundamental rights except in terms of what is called the common law, 
the right to hunt, the right to fish, the right to do whatever you want to do. But those rights are protected and granted as privileges right. by the ruler, the absolute exactly. ruler being the crown of the king. Right. right. So these are the two different traditions. What we have as a result of 1982, we have the British system of constitutional law, 1867, and then Mr. Trudeau imposed a charter which is goes back to the natural law tradition. In the American system, it is the Declaration of Independence. In the French system, after the revolution, and it is the rights of man. And, and a charter that really gives them an out, gives them a free pass that our rights aren't guaranteed. Yeah, it gives them the pass the way it was written. And that's where the debate will take place. And that's where we, we our people, have to be equipped to make the debate. You see, because here is the problem. The Red Tories, Brian Peckford, that all due respect to him, and I respect him greatly, including our present leader, Mr. Uh, uh, Maxime Bernier, they have to understand that I believe they do not understand. Mm. Because if they understood, then they would understand how this hybrid system to which Mr. Peckford, as the last living member of the first ministers that signed the document mm. in November of 1981, giving Mr. Trudeau the right to go to London to patriot the constitution, how they messed it up. Right. But, you know, if anybody stood up and tried to explain to them how this is messed up, and, and there were people who tried to explain that. Mm. In my research, I have a lot of documentation of Canadians who spoke about this matter, right. but they were dismissed. And the people said, no, we have to have a charter. And, and that's, that was Mr. Trudeau's obsession, a charter that is the French tradition, laying out what are our rights and freedom. Mm. And Mr. Peckford, the last living member of that group of people, accepted it and agreed with Mr. Trudeau and then wrote up, as Mr. Peckford claims, it's not my word, it is his word, he claimed that he drafted the agreement on the night of November 5th so night of November 4th, and on the morning of November 5th, all the 10 premier and the prime minister signed it. So there we have the word, section 1 and section 33. Right. Because that section 1 and that section 33 comes from the British tradition. So it becomes a hybrid. You see, the, the American Constitution, the rights of man, or the Bill of Rights, stand as 10 amendments outside the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Now, just to be a little technical over here and to explain this Bill of Rights as 10 amendments in the American Constitution, what it means. It means that the founding document of the country, you asked me the other day, what's the difference between a statute and a constitution? Because right. uh, Mr. Diefenbaker gave in 1960 the Bill, Bill of Rights, Rights which is a statute. Right which is not a constitution. When the constitution, unlike the statute, is the founding document. I mean, it is, if I may use an analogy over here, you and I sit down to play a chess, game of chess. 
the rules of the game of chess is written down by the Federation of International Chess Federation, that is right. FIDE, has been written down. It is available. So that's the constitution. On the chessboard, you cannot start making a move that violates the constitution, that is the rules and regulation. Right. You know, you can play your game as, ever, as, as you want it. But if there is a violation of it, then you have to withdraw that that move, you know, or you have to surrender because it goes against the founding principle. Statutes are playing the game. You know, we want to drive at 40 kilometers an hour or we want to drive at 100 kilometers an hour or whatever it is. You know, you put on your seat belts, you know, you cannot smoke because we have smoking laws. These are statutes. Mm. And it, whether it goes against the foundational document, the constitution, yeah. that will be judged by the the umpire, in this case, ultimately the Supreme Court, the justices mm -hmm. of the Supreme yeah. Court, which is yeah. in an American case, the justice of the Supreme Court. Yeah. But in the American case, the Bill of Rights, which is equivalent, technically equivalent to our Charter of Rights, the Bill of Rights stands outside and it cannot be touched by statutes and the Bill of Rights, if the statute violates the Bill of Rights, then those statutes can be thrown out mm. by the process of appeal to the court, can be mm. completely thrown out. Because if you want your statute to stand against the Bill of Rights, whatever it is, the freedom of speech, then you better come with the motion and the vote that is what is called a super majority both at the level of the congress and at the level of the 50 states so in our in our case it would be at the level of the canadian parliament and the 10 provinces right, right. you know you come you better come with that majority in the american case the majority is you know three quarters of the vote, 75% of the vote, to amend the the Bill of Rights. That's why the, those 10 Bill of Rights stand. It has not been amended, you right. know, and, and cannot be amended. They can amend different things, you know, and they put on new amendments. But those 10 Bill of Rights stand. Mm. In, in our case, because of Section 1 and Section 33 that Mr. Peckford put in there, the, the way it reads is that the ch Charter of Rights and Freedom can be limited by Section 31 or can be overruled by Section 33 notwithstanding clause at the discretion of the Parliament, right. whether the people agree with it or not. Yeah. You see, and that is where, I mean, the justices have ruled. The justices have ruled in the case. Uh, I, I'm, I'm <coughs> having in my hand some, some examples of it. it during during the uh, COVID period. The Chief Justice of Manitoba, Glenn Joyal, ruled that the provincial restrictions uh, on the public health orders are all constitutionally valid because it was coming down from the Parliament of Ot in 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 in, mm -hmm. in uh, Ottawa. So the, 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 the premier of um, Manitoba was following the parliament on restricting public health uh, orders. 
there it is you know they they said and 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 if you if you talk with them about it they will say well that limitation is built into the charter of rights that's but, section one but there's that part of that section one where they have to demonstrably justify with evidence limiting our rights well what 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 happened on the emergencies act i i, I took the time to read it mm. or read enough of it what happened mr mr uh, justice paul rivel he himself admitted that you know uh, responsible and informed people will likely disagree with him disagree with him on what because of the evidence the evidence that was provided in that six weeks of hearing right that there was no basis for calling an emergency act because there was no threat to the right. state right but mr justice rulers he says that re responsible and informed people might disagree with him but in my opinion that's what he's saying in my right. opinion the opinion of justice rulo the prime minister and the cabinet met the highest requirements the threshold for imposing the emergencies act so there's there's two entities now though that are challenging that ruling and and taking taking the government to court. Um, Bruce Party, I think, is part of a group, and the JCCF is part of a group that are, are taking the government to court to force them to provide the evidence that justifies their actions. Right. So they're going to court, uh, as of course, it is to the federal court, not to the Supreme Court. And right, we'll have to right. wait what happens at the federal court level. And then yes. there will be an appeal process. If the federal court agrees then there's going to be an appeal process. The government is going to appeal it to the to the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court justices have already said they've already they're not going to recuse themselves. They've already said, I mean, Justice Wagner, Richard Wagner, this chief justice mm -hmm. has already said during the COVID period and, and on the Freedom Convoy that uh, he is not in agreement with their claim of uh, the Charter of Rights and Freedom, because the Charter of Rights and Freedom can what? be limited and would be limited. And that was also said by the former Chief Justice Beverly McLaughlin. And, and I have her statement over here. Uh, she clearly says that the Ottawa Truck Convoy uh, claim that they are a freedom movement cannot be accepted because freedom in Canada is limited, is not absolute. So you have the justices already indicating where they stand. Yeah, uh, however, um, there's still that bit of, of demonstrably justifying the limitations of our rights in a, in a democratic society. And, and no government has done that. No government has presented the evidence to justify the limitations. And, and so I think that's the basis of this of this court case, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I agree with you. But, but <clears throat> you know, let us see what happens, because that's what Brian Peckford is arguing, because he, he has taken the issue of mobility rights to yeah. to, to, to go to go to the court. Well, yeah. And, and so. And so, and, and even within that, a lot of things have changed from when they first imposed some of these mandates and restrictions to now. And the information and, their ev and the evidence 
has changed since then? Well, events have happened, and that this is why, I mean, the events of the last four years have brought all of this thing together to a head, right? And and we are mobilized now. The people are mobilized. But my view is yep. we are still dependent upon the justices, and the justices have... Oh, absolutely. The justices are no different than the politician, because the politicians have appointed them, you know. Uh, and uh, the justices are also as much... Uh, uh, you know, in pursuit of power, that is their power, and 100%. and so, I mean, these are these are new challenges in 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 the context of the time that we are living through, but the evidence. All we can go back is again looking at the evidence as we do on the question of globalism. We're going back and we are draw, connecting the dots. So the evidence is, for instance. Uh, Quebec uh, used Section 33 to push through its language laws, Bill 101 and subsequent laws. And the federal government, whether it was Stephen Harper, I don't think he was there present, but he was a conservative prime minister during this period. Yeah. Uh, Brian Mulroney was, of course, from the province of Quebec. So Mr. Harper, and then subsequent to Mr. Harper, now Justin Trudeau, who is from Quebec, but he is is being by, by being the prime minister is also representing eighty percent of non-Quebec rest of Canada. Right. Neither of the two prime minister and the cabinet federal cabinet challenge Quebec government that they had used. Uh, 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 notwithstanding clause, section 33, to take away the rights of English-speaking Canadians in Quebec. Right. Because we are a bilingual and bicultural country. If they had made that challenge, we would ha then have had a situation where the Supreme Co uh, uh, Court would have had to rule, and we would have seen the precedent would have been established which way the Supreme Court rules, whether they, whether they say, yes, the government of Quebec has the right, that is the power, the power of the Quebec Assembly, that is again the parliament, Quebec parliament, Quebec legislature, to overrule the rights of the Canadian people, which is the linguistic right to be treated equally from coast to coast to coast. So I, I, whichever way they rule, I'm coming back to the proposition that Mr. Peckford and the people at that time, they signed up. Left a gaping hole a, in this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, a document, which is the foundational document of Canada, our mm -hmm. constitution, in which they slept through the argument like Rip Van Winkle People are not being represented. They say that they are representing the people. But in whose name are you representing the people? You're, it's right. not in your document. Right. Exactly. Nowhere does it say we the people. Exactly. Right. And so if we do demand, the people demanding, we are not sovereign, but if we can demand, because the ultimate weapon that we have in our hand is the weapon to elect our representative. So we need to elect our representative by taking out the existing 
representatives that have run Canada down into a hole yes. where the people are concerned. And electing those representatives who will fight for the people and restore or bring back the principle that the people are sovereign, not the institutions. So I'll make a pledge to you right now, Salim, that if you can write up that declaration, I will forward it through the Buffalo Party at our next AGM, which is on April 1st and 2nd. And that'll be one of our... Well, uh, this is this is uh, yes. You 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 are our representative in in Saskatchewan, and you are a member of Buffalo Party. Yes. But you're also a member of PPC, and yes. I'm a member of PPC. Yes. Uh, and and across the country, so you would be ta by taking the step that you are now publicly stating, yep. you will be laying the precedent that others can do in their own provinces, 100%. and then together we can do across the country yes. we we need to have another freedom convoy which will not be a truckers convoy but it will be a freedom convoy to make canadian a sovereign people sounds wonderful to me let's make that happen and we we pull together all the people get them to sign a declaration that we prepare yes. um <clears throat> and but before we write up the declaration, we need to have this explanation. And that's that's the task that, since you have made a commitment, I'm making a commitment. I'll have a paper ready as soon as we come back from Calgary. I will be working on it uh, to circulate it among people uh, and let them read it. And then out of that, we, we see if we can get a declaration out. Uh, I know that there are people who are working on this matter and we have to join hand because this is our collective effort. Uh, it's like uh, the 13 colonies came together behind yes. Thomas Jefferson, you know, yes. uh, and Thomas Jefferson expressed the concerns and sentiments and desires and commitments of the 13 colonies. So we, we need to do that. So Dominique has a question here. Uh, Who's this? Dominique. Oh. How does the election of representatives into a system that is geared towards serving the king and monarch, not the people, hope to ensure the protection of the people? Well, I mean, um, to Dominique, um, uh, Dominique is from Alberta. I mean, um, the people in Alberta will have a choice coming up, uh, I believe, in the next few months. Uh, to elect uh, a new government for Alberta. And you have uh, in Alberta the party, Independent Party of Alberta. And if Independent Party of Alberta, uh, I believe they have already on the platform a referendum that they will call if they form a government, just as the Party Quebecois did in, uh, in uh, Quebec. Uh, if, including that referendum, if... Uh, the Independent Party of Alberta um, supports the idea of that what we are talking about, that we need a constitutional reform. Uh, the issue of constitutional reform, by the way, is not a new issue. It was there in uh, 1988 when the Reform Party was created. Yes. Uh, and, 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 and the call for the Triple E Senate. Yes. Uh, so if, if the party, in, Independent Party in Alberta 
makes that commitment, uh, then it will be left to the Albertans to support the Independent Party of Alberta if they understand that what we need in this country is a constitution that empowers the people, recognizes the people as sovereign. Yes. So, uh, Dominique, what Salim has, has offered to do, just even for <coughs> for us here in Saskatchewan with the Buffalo Party, is to, is to put together a proposal that I can run through our annual general meeting April 1st and 2nd. And, and maybe the same can apply, be applied in, in Alberta through the Independence Party. Yeah, I mean, this is the project. This is the project we pick up uh, and say we devote 2023, 2023 to be the year uh, following the Freedom Convoy truckers of 2022 to be the mission of us people uh, to make the Canadian people sovereign in their own country. Yes, sounds absolutely wonderful to my ears. It is now very clear. We cannot deal with the problem of globalism no, we can't. and defeat that. We cannot defeat the most fundamental issue, war and peace. We cannot talk about it. We have a parliament of 338 members that are sovereign in, into four party. And there's not one member in that parliament who's standing up and questioning on what basis has Canada become a co-belligerent in a proxy war against Russia, a nuclear power. Not one member. No. No. And the people are sleeping through this. Yes, they are. So we, we, we have, a, if the people are serious about their freedom, about their rights, about being a sovereign people, then there is no alternative but to join hand and make Canadian people sovereign by not demanding it as a grant from the parliament, right. by electing members to the parliament who will say, this is the way we are going to go. Yes. Here, here. I love it. Um, let's, let's end the evening here. We're at an yep. hour and 20 minutes. Uh, that's, that's good timing. Um, fantastic discussion. And, I think we'll touch on it again, maybe even next week a little bit and, and see where we're at. But next week, um, what is the 4th, March 4th? Is that a... March 4th is a Saturday, but we are supposed to... Is that a Saturday? To, okay. am, so we'll be there heading, uh, So we will probably have, a, have a, a thing on Friday, me and you. Yeah. Unless we do it live in, in Calgary. We, we, yeah, we can do that in, in, in together, sitting across sure. from each other. Yeah. But... Um, this conversation needs to speak, uh, if I may conclude for tonight, by making this request um, that this conversation needs to grow like a snowball if yes. we are going to win. Yes. And, and that means we need to come back, revisit and, and re-engage in this discussion. 100%. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. We'll Thank talk, you. We'll talk Good soon. Good night. See you okay. next week in Calgary. I look forward to it. Same here. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. All right. Another fantastic round with my good friend, Salim Mansour. I can't wait to see him next week. And next week, maybe we'll come to you uh, live together uh, in the same room. That would be uh, that would be pretty good. So, uh, yeah, that's a wrap for tonight. And uh, share it out. 
uh, we had a we had a good audience over on Rumble. We had uh, over fifty there, and uh, I'm not streaming to YouTube because I'm presently banned from YouTube. I got a second strike because somebody went on a fishing expedition through my videos and found something they didn't like and reported it. So uh, it is what it is. <clears throat> uh, so that's why we're not on YouTube tonight. But whatever. I'm. <laughs> I I put up a post on Facebook the other day. Yesterday, I guess it was, or a couple of days ago. I'm getting really frustrated in actually supporting these social media outlets that are censoring the truth. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to leave Facebook. Um, it, I might use it, you know, periodically. Uh, it's just really frustrating supporting these social media entities that, that censor us and the truth. Uh, it's just extremely frustrating. Of course, I'll just keep trying and keep doing what I, I do. But I got two of my accounts on Facebook were <coughs> suspended for two days. Canada first and Mark Friesen's Aston Grasswood. So, um, it just, it just drives me crazy. I just, I, uh, I hate being on these censorship platforms, but I'll probably keep doing it. It's just really frustrating. I love being able to be on Rumble and, and say what we want. Um, Odyssey. And uh, and Twitter's pretty good. I, I hear there's still people getting censored on Twitter and getting suspended. Um, but uh, it's been okay for me so to this point. So And yeah, I mean Jay makes the point. We have no reach. We're so we're so terribly shadow banned that it's it's just it almost makes it not worth it, you know? But I guess we just got to keep trying. All right. Anyways, that's a wrap. You guys all take care. I love each and every one of you. Um, be good to each other. All right. Ciao for now. Show stays on because of you.